0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dave Barfield. And I'm Josiah Jones. And this is the Christ Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Today we're talking about seeker-sensitive worship. And if you missed the sermon on Sunday, you might be wondering what we mean by that. Well, you're in for a ride because we turn what is traditionally called seeker-sensitive worship on its head and discuss what it means to be a true worshiper of God. Plus, we'll hear from God's Word and spend time praying. I think you'll enjoy it, so let's get started. You seem like a wrestling fan. Did you like <laughs> WWF back in the day? <laughs> I watched a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Hello there, everybody out there in listener land. Like I said, thanks for listening in. Great show ahead of us today. I'm here in the studio with our senior pastor, Josiah Jones. Josiah, I know you're a busy man these days, so thanks for being here in the studio.
1: Aha, yes, Dave. Busy indeed. Um, God is always up to something, and at Christ Community, it seems like He's up to a lot. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, for real.
1: But of course, I love doing the podcast, so um, this is one of those fun things I get to do. Yeah,
0: right. Like Well, like Mark, Mark Twain said, find a job you like doing, and you'll never have to work a day in your life. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> well, I think it was Mark Twain. It or it may have been on a fortune cookie somewhere, I'm not sure. But uh, it's true. Uh, so we've been radio silent for a few weeks, and what our mis- our listeners might not know is that we had three laptop crashes that made it really hard to record the, the show.
1: I know it. And I it, you and your laptop, and you still believe in
0: Mac. I'm just, <laughs> come on! Hey, watch it. We don't need to argue that <laughs> on the air. But uh, either way, the rig is uh, running smoothly now, and so hopefully we won't have any more technical issues from here on out. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, well, so the people here for are here for serious stuff, uh, and we don't want to disappoint, Josiah. So why don't you uh, give us a rundown of the sermon? You were in John 4 this last Sunday, so uh, just give us a quick summary uh, of the sermon. Yes. Well, I, I'm breaking
1: down this amazing passage, this encounter between Jesus and the woman of Samaria, into th- three messages, mm. and so the first Come and Thirst No More, but then this past week, uh, where the woman of Samaria seems to be trying to uh, get, get out of a little uncomfortable conversation as Jesus uh, shows that he knows what's going on in her life. She turns to this interesting theological discussion of of worship. Um, but Jesus follows her there because he's going to show that um, actually, uh, what's going on in her life is a matter of worship, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, uh, but what I um, what we talked about this Sunday is that how Jesus wants our worship to be seeker sensitive. Mm-hmm. He wants our worship to be seeker sensitive, and um, I, I was intentionally provocative, um, but I think
0: it's important.
1: To well, see. Explain,
0: stop there for a second. Why would that be pr- provocative? I mean, most of our listeners, we understand why what you mean by provocative, but there might be some that think, well, of course God wants us to be seeker-sensitive, right? A yes. seeker is someone that's looking for God, and we need to look out for them and try and help them, right? Yes.
1: Well, uh, so, of course, when I say it's provocative, it's in the context of uh, um, a Reformed uh, uh, theology where... Um, a lot of times, we see, uh, um, we when we think of seeker sensitive, we think of a church that's primarily asking, "What do uh, people uh, who are in our area like? What do they dislike? Uh, what kind of music? What uh, 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 what are the things that are attractive to them, and so on?" Which is kind of how I begin uh, mm-hmm. the message. So often, they're asking more questioned about what do people like than what has God revealed about how His mm-hmm. people are to worship Him as they gather um, in assembly in Christ's name.
0: So almost like doing church uh, uh, by a pole, you know, what it, by a pole in your area, seeing what's popular, yeah. and then making church like that is kind yeah. of what you're saying.
1: And, and, and applying kind of marketing principles to mm-hmm. how you do church, yep.
0: Okay. So so that's that's provocative in our circles perhaps because um we tend to value and I, and take this in charitable terms listeners <laughs> but we tend to value the transcendence of God and and God's sovereignty and some of the heady types of things and so when we insert the word marketing and what do people want you know we all imme- we kind of get a little bit of a suspicious uh, stance, a suspicious posture. Like, wait a second. That's that's not what comes first. So that's probably why yes. many of us would think yes. provocative. Like yes. Josiah says, we have seek. We should have seeker sensitive worship. Wait a second.
1: <laughs> yes, um, exactly. And uh, intentionally use some ambiguity. And I think you know, if you listen to the entire sermon, I'm, I am saying more than <laughs> there is a twist. Right. Um, as, as we'll get to, but but I think the that the passage in John 4 helps to orient us. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants our worship to be seeker sensitive and what he shows us is the primary seeker in worship is God himself. Mm-hmm. The Father mm-hmm. is seeking worshipers, right? Now, if you you know, we read the scriptures, we we end up seeing well, of of course, that's true. I mean, look at the Psalms. How many times God's calling people to worship Him? He's, He's, uh, uh, He's inviting people to worship. Um, and so the question that that raises is, you know, normally when when people are constantly seeking the praise and compliments mm-hmm. um, of others, we think less of them. Like they're a second hander. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're trying to live off the compliments. Of others they're they're trying to shore up weaknesses so is that what's going on with God mm-hmm. and so uh, our response is no that's not what is going on with with God um, first of all he's seeking worshipers because he's righteous mm-hmm. because he is the most supremely valuable uh, uh, being In the universe, it would be unrighteous for him to pursue uh, 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 people's valuing anything more supremely than they uh, value him. So because he's righteous, um, he values and delights in his own glory above all else, and inviting others to see and delight in that same glory. But that's not the only reason, and the, the reason that primarily is evident in the context of John for itself, is he is seeking worshipers because he is loving, Mm -hmm. because uh, he alone can satisfy the longing of their heart. And that's, you know, with the woman of Samaria, this is why the Father, through Jesus, is seeking a worshiper, because she is... Uh, drinking from uh, the broken cistern of relationship after relationship after relationship, and it cannot satisfy. Been married five times in a relationship in which, uh, in a for- in, in the midst of fornication, in a relationship that's not satisfying. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, the Father, because He is loving, wants her to drink from the living waters mm-hmm. from. Uh, 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 um, a relationship with him by the work of the Holy Spirit through the work that Christ was going to accomplish, the hour is here, uh, uh, the hour is coming and is now here. Jesus is going to prepare a way for her to be able to drink of the water um, Mm. of life that he gives. And so because he's loving, the Father is seeking uh, um, worshipers.
0: I love how the narrative of John flows because it's almost on the nose a little bit <clears throat> excuse me that Jesus just ran into this woman who happened to be married five times. I mean <laughs> I've met a few people that have been married a few times. I've never run into and I've met a few, you know, I've met a lot of people. I've never run into anyone that's been married five times, you know. And it's the point is that Jesus is found the the most um obvious example of someone that is worshiping the wrong yeah. things, right, so John is constructing this narrative this way because he wants <laughs> he wants his readers to see, oh, this person does worship, but it's worshiping the this person's yeah. worshiping the wrong thing and then Jesus comes along and and says uh gives her an instru- uh, a lesson on what it means to worship right and yeah. then he John gives us this passage that we talked about on Sunday that God is seeking worshipers yes. right so uh, I just love how the the narrative flows because this is such an aberration from pro, from normal culture in well in any culture really. Yes. I mean, it's just not something that we see often. It's, of course, it happens, but um, it, it's such a I said on the nose. It just stands out so obvious that Jesus <laughs> went specifically to talk to this woman because her needs were very on the sleeve. It was very uh, obvious what she, what she needed, and then Jesus instructs her on what worship is, and then from there on we get this lesson on that on worship, that God is seeking worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth. Yes.
1: And isn't it astonishing? It it furthermore is showing in her day, she's the last person that her disciple, that the disciples would have, and that people would have thought God would have been interested Mm -hmm. in satisfying Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and, and receiving their worship because of his love wanting her to drink deeply from the water of life how mm-hmm. um, if if that's how the father if the father was seeking those kinds of worshipers, whatever you got going he's not repulsed so that he would drive you no he's pursuing you mm-hmm. he's seeking worshipers um in god's providence he he was intentionally pursuing that woman, as you mentioned, and is and um, and had John record this so that we would see these. Uh, this is what the Father is doing. He was doing that right. through His Son, and then Jesus mm-hmm. is going to send His disciples. He's going to do it then through um, uh, followers of Christ, particularly who are indwelt by Christ's Spirit. Mm. The Father seeking worshippers,
0: and it kind of shows that the principle that um, man looks on the outside, God looks on the heart, right? So looking on the outside, this seems like an unlikely person that Jesus would go to minister to. But God looking on the inside, it kind of seems like even a more unlikely person <laughs> that God would go minister yeah. to. But that's just the people that God loves to go to. Yes, He loves to go to the hurting and the needy and those that are drinking from wells that will not satisfy. Yes. And that's what He loves to do. He yes. loves going after these people, and that's why we say he's the seeker. Yes. Amen. What you were saying reminded me of a quote I heard, oh man, this is probably 10, 12 years ago. I don't know. Um, But it was from Oprah and she was talking about, uh, she was discussing religion with somebody and I don't remember the details, but um, she made the comment that she doesn't want us. She wouldn't want to worship a God that needs our praise and needs our compliments and needs our worship. Um, and I don't know if she still would hold to that or not, but at the time she said this, and um, it reminded—I was reminded of that because what you are saying was that God wants us to worship Him, and she was kind of saying what you were saying about being a second hander. Only, oh, right. you got to feed, you right. got to flatter me, flatter, stop yeah. it, no more, more. Yeah. Um, and how she's defining God? Well, sure, that would be uh, that would be a little bit um, unsavory but if you define god as the highest good or yes. the most desirable thing the uh, being the most righteous it would be he would be less than god if he wasn't worshiping or valuing himself and this is yes. where you brought in john piper's quote from desiring god which is a great book and i think it is a modern classic and i think all of us would um recommend it but um talk a little bit about that what does god worship or or to put it another way um what does God value supremely
1: well he values his his glory supremely um because again because he's righteous and because he's loving um because he's he's righteous he would be an idolater if he valued anything mm-hmm. other than his glory uh uh more, mm-hmm. he would be an idolater, and he would be
0: unrighteous. He would not be God. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, but
0: it, connect the dot then, because yeah. you mentioned it earlier. How then does that? How is that good for us? How, how does that show that God is loving?
1: Right. Yes. Well, then it shows that He's loving because, um, uh, uh, because He works so that we value. That which is supremely valuable, so that we're worshiping that which can actually save and deliver mm-hmm. and satisfy um, it is loving because he's just uh, and holy and 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 pure uh, so that he is worthy of our worship, but also he is leading us to the well that can truly satisfy because he is supremely valuable, mm-hmm. he is supremely wise, supremely good, supremely just, uh, and every other source that we turn to will let us down, uh, will, will uh, um, fall short of being perfectly righteous and good and wise and just and loving uh, and, and redeeming. Every other source, um, which is the you know the quote from uh, the the novelist mm-hmm. who gives the commencement speech at Kenyon, um, uh, um, you anything you turn to anything else other than the true and living God, and it will lead to your own detriment and destruction. Mm-hmm. So the most loving thing. Mm-hmm. That God can do is to work in our lives and in our hearts to see Him for who He is, and to to worship Him, to trust in Him, to treasure Him, to delight in the One who is supremely valuable because He will not let us down. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, His wisdom and power and goodness and faithfulness will prevail. And for those who are drinking from Him, for those who are trusting in Him, those who are united to Him through faith in Jesus, um, uh, He will secure and satisfy us for all eternity. Mm -hmm. So the most loving thing He can do is lead us to drink from the true water of life, from the living waters, from, from Him
0: right on himself where where we will be most satisfied where we will yeah. find uh salvation and joy and all of the things yeah. that that God gives us because as you said in the sermon we have this god-sized hole god-shaped hole in our hearts that we could fill with a try to fill with a bunch of other things um, but it will only be filled by God yeah. if we if we go to go to him with our with our needs
1: so that's one of the most loving things then, too. even in seeing the woman of samaria how God works in providence when he allows us to recognize that this isn't working. So so when he makes us uncomfortable and sometimes, um, uh, uh, sometimes lets us get in a mess Mm -hmm. that like one relationship after another and exposes the reality of by saying in effect, how's that working for you? Mm -hmm. Um, it's not because he's completely loving and gracious in doing that because he's wanting to show, bring us to our senses mm-hmm. and to say, it's not working, right. and it won't. Right. Um, uh, come to me. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the one who can satisfy.
0: Which is the story of Israel in the Old Testament. They kept yeah. coming back and fleeing and fleeing and going after other gods and going after other gods and other lovers, as, the, as Isaiah would say. Um, and this is kind of, <laughs> even though it's a Samaritan woman, she's kind of a summary of Israel's history, yeah. right? And Jesus is saying, I'm going right there, I'm going to address this, I'm what you need. Yeah. And, uh um, praise God for that. So, Dave, I think, of course, where there was a twist
1: in the sermon is, because God is the ultimate seeker, um... Uh, we we should be asking, what does he delight in? And Mm -hmm. he delights in true worship in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. And so we addressed, you know, you can go off the rails two different ways. One, by by having a dead uh, orthodoxy, where you say all the right things and you have these rituals, but it's not flowing from a heart that's made alive Mm -hmm. in spirit that delights in God. Or you can Uh, you can just work yourself up into a frenzy and 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 be excited and happy about with no substance Mm -hmm. and it's shallow emotionalism that cannot that that will not enable you Mm -hmm. to to really uh, have joy and satisfaction in the midst of a fallen and broken world where there's a lot of sorrow Mm -hmm. and difficulty and hardship, but if you uh, if you have this um, joy, uh, uh, if you have this worship in spirit and spirit of truth, where where your heart is seeing and savoring God in His uh, greatness and His glory and His grace, um, and it's it, it's tethered to the deep uh, truths of God's uh, uh, of the gospel, um, then you can be. Sorrowful, even in life mm-hmm. and still rejoicing mm-hmm. then then you can you can have a joy that the world cannot take away you can have a satisfaction even as you're uh, uh even as you experience grief from from loss and from pain mm-hmm. and from hardship mm-hmm. it's a it's a deep substantive kind of um uh uh, of satisfaction that God desires uh, for us. And so he doesn't want us to settle for either dead orthodoxy or uh, um a uh, uh, shallow emotionalism, mm-hmm. but worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah, there's the,
0: the subjective and objective um realities that are crucial in worship or the transcendent and the imminent. Um you got to have both. If you have yes. if you have one or the other then it falls yes. apart. So I
1: think now, go ahead. I think the twist that we then came to is yeah. at the end is yes. drawing out implications is okay, so God's the seeker, but because he's seeking, we ought to he's still doing that, have expectation that he's pursuing and seeking people in our lives and people who gather and come in our worship. We are to be seeking. Mm-hmm. So we ought to actually be mindful of people. Who do not yet uh, know Christ, right. and Paul in First Corinthians fourteen, for example, will show how that should affect our corporate worship. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we say, "Well, if if the Father's seeking and so on, and uh, then then I guess you know we we're, we're not concerned about whether or not there are unbelievers and and how to remove unnecessary offenses and how to Paul, no, Paul, in First Corinthians 14, addresses, as he's dealing with an issue of, of t- tongues and prophecy, but in that context addresses, your worship needs, you need to be thinking about outsiders right. so that they'll understand. It has to be intelligible. It'll be intelligible. And in fact, it's interesting in that case where he talks about prophecy, where the Word of God is applied by the Spirit, they'll actually be convicted of sin mm-hmm. and uh, of their need for a savior and say god is truly in this place. So in that case seeker sensitive worship is being mindful and and wanting to remove unnecessary barriers but it's not it's not removing things that are <laughs> uh, difficult truths that come from god's word because because it, it shows the relevance of the gospel and the need for Christ Mm -hmm. as he exposes her need like Jesus did for the woman of Samaria, but then uh, exposes her to the marvelous grace that meets that need.
0: Yeah. And intelligible um, really just means understandable. It doesn't necessarily mean acceptable, right? So if someone comes into our church and is an unbeliever, um, first, praise God. Uh, Secondly, um, they should be able to understand what's going on, but it should also, in some way, um, not make sense. At least as far yeah. as like, oh, I want it. I want to buy a ticket to this concert or a ticket to this show or whatever because uh, I'm not buying in yet. But I know what they're doing, and it uh, it kind of makes. A little bit of sense, like that's what I think Paul is what he's getting at. Like it's intelligible. Like I a human being could walk in here and say, "Okay, I understand that this is they are worshiping this God, and I don't quite get why yet, and it doesn't all of it. And not all of it makes sense." So I think what Paul is saying is it needs to be understandable. It doesn't necessarily have to be a hundred percent acceptable by those that are outside the faith. But what, like what you said, is that then they'll start to be convicted, and that's God seeking them, yes. right?
1: Yes, yeah, and and of course th- there's something too. Uh, biblical principles of Scripture where we seek to remove unnecessary mm-hmm. uh, o- obstacles and display the, you know, hospitality, love of strangers, mm-hmm. um, to uh, to display the joy and life and freedom that we have in Christ, mm-hmm. to display a disarming kind of honesty about our own sin and need. Uh, and uh, um, that that does leave them asking, wow, how can they mm-hmm. they seem to 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 be honest about the things in their lives and yet they're reveling in God's grace and his mm-hmm. provision. The the world doesn't it doesn't it, make sense. Doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But it's in a good way to see the difference that it makes when you know the living God um mm-hmm. and uh you have you be honest about your sin and need and, and yet have a confidence. So you have a humility and yet a confidence and boldness, things that don't seem to go to, So being uh, aware of people whom the Father is seeking doesn't mean that we then uh, try to remove uh, every offense because then you'd have to yeah. remove the gospel. Right. Um, but to remove unnecessary offenses, seek for it to be understandable, mm-hmm. also uh, to show hospitality, to uh, um, also show that we have the expectation We're, and, and joy. Mm-hmm. We're glad that if people don't yet know what they think about Christ and they're just considering it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. We're glad that they're here because we've. All, that's been the case for all of us and the Father was seeking us. Right. <laughs> um, right. So.
0: And I love this idea of valuing what God values. You know, if I if I say I value what my wife values, and I say I love her and I, I value what um, she values, but I don't actually. Like, she, want, she really likes, um, you know, taking pictures and going to the beach or something like that. But I don't like that, and so I just denigrate it, and I don't want to participate. Well, I don't really love her if I don't value what she values. Yeah. And so if we say we love God, like genuinely love God, then we have to value... What he values, and first, of, obviously, and foremost, is we've talked about his own glory. He values his own glory. And then there's, uh, you know, a few other things that he values, but one of those is he loves making enemies into friends, yes. I and mean, that's why we're here today. This is the triumph of the gospel. This is the Church um, prevailing against the gates of hell, right? So um, if we're going to value what God values, then we have to be going after people that need him, right? And I think that's this idea of making fishers of men. So the the application is pretty practical from the sermon. It's, are you valuing what God values? And are you going after seekers, people that need Jesus?
1: Yes. Because Mm -hmm. the Father's seeking, He's opening eyes, He's working in hearts so that they begin to seek. Yeah. And are we pursuing them?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amen. Well, thank you, for the, thank you for the sermon and your blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it, and and uh, going through it again today with us. Gladly. We want to spend a few minutes meditating on God's Word. Over and over again throughout Scripture, we find the need to hide God's Word in our hearts and meditate, on it day and night, and use it as a foundation for our lives. So that means we need to be saturated with it. So, Josiah, what passage are we going to be spending time in today?
1: Dave, in the sermon, we discussed how pervasive the theme of worship is in the Psalms. And so we're going to spend time meditating on Psalm 96 Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Josiah, what stands out to you today from that text?
1: Uh, two things quickly, Dave. The first is, you see some of the reasons we talked about why God pursues worshipers. So clearly, he's pursuing worshipers. He's saying, sing, sing, declare his glory, for great is the Lord, so on. Uh, but two reasons. Uh, first, uh, because he is righteous, or he's, he's worthy of that praise and glory, and so he grounds the reasons for praise, for, the, for great is Lord greatly to be praised, and so on. This glory is due his name um, in uh, uh, verse 8, but it's also because he's good. So notice in verse 5, "...for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols." Why he wants to save us from from worshiping that which cannot save and deliver? It's worthless; they're, they're worthless idols. So, so, the the reasons that we looked at, you can see evident here in this psalm. But secondly, the theme of you know uh, Piper's book. Uh, I guess we're on a Piper. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, uh, trip here. But um, let the nations be glad, mm-hmm. where he says that famous line, missions exist because worship doesn't. Right. So notice this text, God is pursuing worshipers near and far mm-hmm. of all nations and all peoples. And of course, we have that picture in Revelation, where there will be a people there will be, from every tongue tribe and ethnic people group who will be around the throne mm-hmm. worshiping him, being satisfied in him. And so you see, his love is that they might have joy and rejoicing in his presence in worship among the nations. And so this should lead us not only to be mindful of people in our lives and in our community uh, who have not yet Come to turn from worthless idols mm-hmm. to the living God to find life and joy and freedom mm-hmm. in Him. But this should fuel us to be a part of Christ's mission, of the Father's mission uh, of pursuing worshipers among the nations, right. among uh, the, the people who have not yet heard, who have not yet mm-hmm. heard the good news of the the, the God who. Uh, is worthy who can satisfy who does reign who who does save mm-hmm. um and satisfy for all
0: eternity yeah. and it's the command is is right there in verse three, <clears throat> excuse me, declare his glory among the nations yes. right i mean this is, this is the evangelistic appeal <laughs> these yes. these were the outsiders or the nations they were yes. not part of the household of faith, yes. not part of the covenant, and yet God is saying, declare his glory among the nations and yes then he'll make enemies into friends. Amen. Amen. As we close, we want to pray for you, for our church, for the world around us. We believe that prayer connects us to the heart of God, so it's vital to spend time talking with God and casting our burdens on him, telling him, thanks for all that he is for us. So, Josiah, we've gone a little long. Why don't you just close us in prayer today? Gladly,
1: Dave. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are worthy of all praise and adoration, and you pursue that which is supremely valuable, your own glory. And you loved us enough to pursue us, to Reveal to us the reality of the worthless idols that our hearts are prone uh, to, to seek satisfaction in and reveal Yourself through Your Son, Jesus. Thank You that You have opened our eyes. Thank You that You have given us of the living water uh, that uh, satisfies and will for all eternity. Father, I pray that You, even today, those who are listening right now, you would be drawing us to drink from the well of salvation, to pursue intimacy with you, to be satisfied by your love and your kindness and your wisdom and your goodness and your grace, whatever uh, the listener is going through right now. May they find in you their all in all. And Father, I pray that you would, as we worship you, that we would become more like you. We learn from your word that we become like what we worship, Mm -hmm. that we would become like you particularly, that we would seek worshipers of you. God, I pray that you would um, work in our hearts that we would so value you, that we would work uh, that others in our families, in our neighborhood, uh, in our community, would see the God who you are and trust you and worship you and love you and adore you. And God, I pray that you would be stirring up among us people who would be compelled to do, to go to the nations, to, to where people have who have not yet known you and are worshiping worthless idols that cannot save. How will they know unless someone uh, preaches, and how will someone preach unless they are sent? O God, would you be stirring in the hearts of your people from Christ's community, uh, those who would go where the good news is not yet known, Mm. where there are not yet worshipers of the true and living God? Use us, O God, to seek Worshippers, and we'll give you thanks and praise, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, we invite you to share it with family and friends. To learn more about our church, visit us online at Carmel.org. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, we'd love to have you visit on a Sunday morning, and join us again next time for the Christ Community Podcast. Until then the peace of Christ be with you.
1: And also with you.
0: Amen. And God bless.